Welcome to Coaching Confidential, a podcast by baseball coaches as we bring you inside the game. The podcast will take you behind the scenes in college and minor league baseball. Lou Bernardi and George Carroll were college teammates and went on to play and coach on the next level. Bernardi has coached at the Division 1, 2, and 3 levels and is currently the pitching coach at the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Carroll went on to play professionally and is now a catching coach in the minor leagues. Here are your hosts, Lou Bernardi and George Carroll. GC, what's up, baby? How we doing? Sweet, Lou. What's going on, man? Just uh, enjoying being a new Padre. You know, I, my kid's about a couple of days old. Um, other than that, man, not much going on. Um, enjoying some baseball. Uh, just, you know, just loving what's going on right now. So what's up with you, man? Nothing much, man. Fall baseball is uh, in full swing up here at the academy. Had a good workout the other day and looking back to getting out on a field and playing some baseball. You know what I mean? 100%. We got a good one tonight, brother. We got a good one tonight. We got a special guest, actually. Oh, man, who's our guest? I don't know. I, 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 listen, it must have been – he must have draw. He must have drew the short straw getting on this show, you know. He, he, <laughs> there's probably not much going on, you know, him talking to us. But, uh, no, <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce him a little bit more than I can. But we're very lucky. We have a, a minor league hitting coach, someone who's been around the game for a number of years – brings a, a, an extreme amount of knowledge and experience to the game of baseball. And we felt as if because of his vast range of experience, he could really hit every single person and our target audience and everybody that listens, we feel that he really has some value to it. So I'm going to let you dive in a little bit more, but our special guest tonight is going to be Brady North, um, who I know you're very close with. He's down in Florida and I'll let you, uh, I'll let you jump in, George. So real quick, Brady North, a uh, good friend of mine. His, we actually had his dad on, Nelson North, coaches at Gaither High School, same high school that uh, Kevin Cash went to, manager for the Rays. Um, Brady is a professional hitting coach in the minor leagues. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. He's become basically, like, like Lou, I've told you guys, he's become family to me since I moved down here in 2015, him and his dad. Uh, we talked a lot about his dad. His dad actually talked a lot about him. Um, so I thought it was really important to get Brady on because, like I said, he's a wealth of knowledge. He's very important in my life, especially my baseball life. And anytime we do a camp or clinic together, he's one of those guys that we always talk about, like, I learned from. Uh, so, you know, introduce my friend Brady. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm a, the high hitting coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's a great organization. I couldn't be, uh, you know, more grateful to be in this organization. You know, it took me a while to get into the professional ranks. Um, and it definitely worked out for the better getting this job here. Uh, been so fortunate to be surrounded by, you know, the likes of Steve Livesey, who's one of our hitting coordinators, Steve Henderson, who's recently retired. Um, you know, Dan DeMent, who was our AAA guy, now our coordinator. Um, guys that just uh, can really pour into me. Um, we just hired a new guy. Um, we call him Brownie. He's just uh, a wealth of knowledge coach at Nova. I don't know if you know Greg Brown. Do you know him, George? I don't, but Lou might. Yeah, Greg Brown. Lou, do you know that guy? Yeah, Greg that Brown. Name sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So I had I had um, David Miller. David Miller, who coached at Nova, who was my hitting coach up in the Cape one summer. Yeah. So yeah, no, very excited. Um, just very fortunate to be in this organization, um, especially in these crazy times. They've really uh, they've stepped up to the plate for all of us. So. Well, that's, that's yeah, good to know. So. Yeah. So Lou, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to kick this off here tonight. So. Knowing, knowing a little bit of your background and based on what you just said, um, Brady, my question for you is a lot, of our, a lot of our listeners, okay, coach at the youth amateur high school, some college, 
sprinkle a professional and you check every box. So in, in your opinion, what's the biggest difference when you teach hitting? Okay. And whether you're teaching at, at a youth level or an amateur level, or I know you have high school coaching experience and now uh, professional coaching experience. What's the biggest difference in the message you're trying to portray um, in, in the type of, you know, language you might use in, in the type of drills you might, you might want to do. What's the biggest difference from level to level? And if you can take us through each one. Uh, I think overall the message to everybody's probably very similar. Uh, I'm big on intent, what we're trying to do. I think intent will lead to, you know, the, the changes of mechanics, but obviously the levels of knowledge and, you know, there's, there's, there's levels of development and there's stages of development. So certain stages of development require certain information, um, certain ways you talk. Um, so even that, say my level, I may treat a guy at my level the same way I would treat a 12 year old, just based off maybe what he knows, what he needs, what he can process, et cetera. Um, so I don't know if there's a difference. I think for me, meeting every guy exactly where they are, being what they need to be at that time is, uh, is what you need to do as a, as a coach, hitting coach. Um, and I imagine pitching coach is very similar. Um, you know, but I obviously think guys with more ability and can make adjustments quicker. You probably can do a little – you can force them to do different movements um, maybe easier than you could with, say, a 12-year-old. You know, 12-year-old, you may have to start pretty basic with some movement stuff and just test their overall athleticism. Can this guy even move the way I'm asking him to move? Because if he can't, let's not even cross that bridge. Let's get him just solely off something else. So, hey, teaching the 12-year-old versus teaching the 18- to 22-year-old, 25-year-old, um, what do you see, like, when you're breaking down this, like, do you feel like language is always the most, like, the most, the thing that's, like, the, the, the biggest trouble, like when you're talking to a kid, I don't, when I say language, I don't mean language barrier, but I mean like, hey, backside yeah. drive, you know, getting inside the ball, you know, I don't want to dive into too much of like a launch angle or attack angle or approach angle, but do you feel like working with the 12-year-olds, you and I do a lot of baseball factors, so working with the 12-year-old, does do you think that actually helps you working with the 18-year-old? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love working with the younger guys because one, they actually don't know enough to give you a, the runaround. Um, you know, obviously you get guys who have access to the Twitters and, you know, a lot of other people, sometimes they'll, they'll answer what they think you want to hear. Twitter, like, all Americans. Yeah. Like with a 12 year old, you know, you may get just a blatant answer. Hey, why'd you do that? And he may just be like, I don't know. And it's great. Or maybe like, well, I thought that would work. And they're very uh, blunt. So I really enjoy those, those conversations with the young guys for that reason. I always felt like little kids, like I always, Whenever a little kid comes over the drill, I'm always like, "Oh, I don't want to hear," because they're always very creative in their mind. They're very, very, they're always very imaginative. When you get a kid who's 18, 19, 20, 22, do you feel like they're more stuck in their ways? Do you see there's a difference between the international player versus the American player, college player versus the high school player? Do you find it difficult um, to talk to different demographics and audiences, or do you feel like it's kind of like just getting to know the player and all that good stuff? So honestly, George, for me, is I, I'm really big on paying attention to what they're saying. They're going to tell you what they, what it takes for them to learn. So like, I'll ask them like, what does this mean to you? Or, Hey, when you're trying to do that, what are you thinking? And they may say something that I, I would never say. So like, let's say you said back knee drive earlier, like something I would never probably say, but like, if I was working with you and you're like, I'm really just trying to get that back knee to drive, I'm going to try to get something to where you can feel like that's happening. Even though I don't believe in that. Does that make sense? And we're like, in yeah. your head, it's still back knee drive but we may be working on 
you know, rotating and stopping. So I got you. So I think it stems back, George, to something that a good friend of ours has said many, many times before. It's the coach's job to adapt to the player, not the player's job to adapt to the coach. Yeah, yeah, post. I think Brady. I think I think you hit it right on the head, and you know something you brought up earlier um, with, with the with the people knowing too much and these creative drills and whatnot, and the Twitter all Americans. There's a famous saying: a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, and I think in baseball it couldn't be more true. Let me ask you, Brady. In it, what do you think is the most important thing, or the important role of a hitting coach? And with that, because I know you've been around the block for, for a long time, give me some do's and don'ts. Give me some do's and don'ts that a hitting coach at every level should, uh, should really adhere to to get the best out of his players. Well, I think I kind of said it earlier a little bit. I mean, the availability. I always want my guys to know I'm there, uh, no matter what they need, whether that's pregame, postgame, uh, middle of the game, I'm there. Um, you know, I think – there's sometimes I would like the biggest don't is don't think you're always right as a coach. You know, I think the players deserve a lot more responsibility and a lot more credit than a lot of coaches will give them. I mean, these guys at the end of the day are the ones who are stepping in the box and having to make the moves and make the decisions on the fly. And it's really easy to, to hit a 91 mile per hour cutter from the dugout. Um, and I think the big, one of the biggest don'ts would be don't ever forget how hard it was to hit. There's a reason I have a chart in my hand and not a bat now. Um, you know, I tell a lot of my guys I was bad. And, you know, if you compare me to my college teammates, yeah, I was a good player. If you compare me to the guys now, I was terrible. Um, and I think that's one thing that as a coach, you can never, ever forget how hard this game was um, and never even portray that message to your players. And the biggest do would be patience and availability. You know, I think the patience comes from, remembering how hard it was and the availability remembering is, you know, who would, who did you want? Who did you need when you were playing? And that's always what I want. And I have two sons and they're always on the front of my mind when I'm around these guys is like, when my boys are this age, who do I want them to have as a hitting coach? You know, someone that's always there for them. Not always with the answers, just there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. We talked about that in the past. Like we always talk about like getting to know the player and once you get to know the player, you kind of have an understanding of how you can approach a conversation with a guy. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this, right? So I've seen you <laughs> – I remember one night we did a camp, and we were in Pirate City, and I remember you're on the computer just watching video of hitters. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I see you in there. You're looking at the swings, and you were comparing some of the big league guys or the, or the minor league guys to some of the little kids. And I remember looking at it, I was like, what are you going to do with this? He's like, well, I saw one kid who had this issue. It reminded me of a certain big leaguer. I wanted to look at the video and kind of give him a better understanding. So I really can tell the passion you have for players. So let me ask you this. Um, what is your, what do you look for in a good hitter? Or what do you think the qualities of a good hitter are? And then do you think some kids are delusional with what they think it is to be a good hitter? You know, what's the difference between a highly skilled player who knows what he's doing and a not so highly skilled player who thinks he knows what he's doing? Uh, We'll start with the last, the back end of that question. Highly skilled guy versus a non-skilled guy. Um, let's put it this way. Like, I was a non-skilled guy in the grand scheme of things. Like I said, you can compare me with my peers at the time. I was probably average to above average. But now, you know, we can say on the grand scheme of things, I was, I was low-skilled compared to, say, 
the Mike Trouts. Does it make sense? Yeah, so of course. For me, it was – I kind of knew which way I wanted to go, but I couldn't make it happen due to some lack of ability. So sometimes high-skilled guys, they may not even know what they're doing right, but they can make up for maybe their lack of, say, knowledge of something based off their athleticism, based off their skill set. Um, so I think sometimes low-skilled guys get that confused. Like they feel like they can get away with the same mistakes – X, Y, Z can. And for me, I always try to tell guys, like, don't even look at that guy. Don't even compare to that guy. How can we make you the most efficient you? Um, what was the first part of the question? I don't want to miss, misspeak on that. Does that answer your part about low-skilled versus high-skilled? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, we always talk about, like, when I, when I look at a kid and I'm looking at, like, a catching drill, doing a catching drill with a kid. Now, I always say that um, drills are an over-exaggeration of movement patterns. Like, you do drills to over-exaggerate things that you're going to do in a game. That's what I believe, right? But not every kid can do what you ask them to do. Does that make sense? So, like, if you see a guy, he's, let's say a kid says, oh, you know, I, um, I hit like, uh, I don't know, let's just say a uh, um, uh, uh, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, and he tries to model his swing like a Kiermaier. How do you get him to realize, like, yo, you're not, you're not Kiermaier. You need to be yourself. Like, what's some advice you would give to a young kid who thinks he wants to be – you know, Kiermaier, but like when you look at his swing, how can you kind of tell him like, Hey, no, you need to do this in order for you to have success. You know, how can you give some advice on how, you know, he can be himself? I think my advice to all hitters would be, you have to impact the baseball. You know, if you can impact the baseball, like sometimes how you get there to impact it, um, you kind of can look the other way sometimes. Um, so say if you do have a flaw, but you still really impact this baseball consistently. When I say impact, I'm talking about obviously hitting it hard. Um, we can look the other way. So say if a guy has that, he wants, to, he wants to imitate this player and it's affecting his ability to impact that baseball, we're probably going to find another way. Um, and I try to be just as open as I'm asking them to be. So, again, I try to give them the ownership, the freedom to risk. How do you want to go about this? Um, there was actually a story right now where in instructional league, I, I worked with a guy and that exact thing came up, you know, how he's moving and we all kind of saw – it going differently and we had to make a decision. We kind of let him lead the way on how he was going to go about getting this right. And it definitely worked out for the better that way. Do you leave a trail of breadcrumbs for that kid or do you kind of, so like how, like what were like some of those breadcrumbs you kind of gave him to proof. proof like, Hey, here's what it is. You're swinging and missing too much. As much as you think this is working, here's proof. And there's options at that point, right? I mean, you continue on this track. This is the obviously – at our level, you know, George, it's, it's a release. It's career-ending. You know, at the amateur yeah. level, it may be no college scholarship, maybe no varsity team. Um, and obviously those stats you guys I might have at the lower levels, but um, I think that's very powerful is when you can show them the objective, like, truth. Like, hey, this isn't my opinion. This is what's happening. Um, there you go. So, so what do you value – what do you value for a hitter? Like, what do you, what, when you look at a hitter, what are the, what are the things that you value the most for a, a, a hitter? Is it different based upon who the hitter is? Or is there one general thing where you're all like, we really look for this? I mean, for me, I think, again, the ability to impact the baseball. I don't care if you're 16 years old or you're 26 years old, you got to hit the ball hard, you know? Um, and then obviously I think vision and timing guys who make the right decisions have a better chance to succeed than the guys who don't. When I say right decisions, I'm talking about hitting, hitting the strikes, you know, taking the balls, et cetera. 
Brady, how much video do you guys use down there? Uh, it depends on the player. You know, we it's always running, you know. You know, I'm, I'm not going to break down video all the time uh, unless a guy's really looking for something or I'm, I'm looking for something I think I see. Um, I'm very cautious with video. So, yeah. Because well, we get a lot of questions on it, and, and I have the same opinion as you. I'm a big believer that um, you can make a player see anything you want him to see in a video, and it might not, not, not necessarily be the right thing. Right. Um, you know, Tell, tell, tell us a little bit on, on, on why you're a little skeptic on the video because I, I, think, I think you're onto something really big here. Uh, just especially 2D video. Like if it's 3D video, I'm, I'm a, lot, a lot more open to it. Um, again, it's not like I won't watch 2D video. I just – I always watch it through a lens of like this isn't, this isn't written in stone. We have to know that there's shutter effect, there's shadows, there's things that are changing, lights being deflected different ways that can give appearance of something else happening what's not really happening. Um, so I just always keep that in mind. I let the players know that. And, you know, I really, a lot of times we're watching video with a guy, I'm going to let the guy kind of tell me what he sees because I want to know where he's at. Cause if that guy's at somewhere totally different where I'm at, I'm going to have to take a step back and make sure what I'm looking at is really happening as well. Um, and then if we're kind of on the same page, that's when we kind of dive in a little more. I think that's a great point. I have one more for you. Um, and then I'll let George wrap up. Well, what's your take on, on the advanced analytics of, of the offensive player today, the exit velos, the, the launch angles, and, and, and that type of criteria mm -hmm. that now, speaking as a college coach, has kind of taken over the recruiting game because of all the showcases and measurables. Um, has it trickled into professional baseball, and is that the end-all, be-all? You know, I always say exit velocity is great, but exit velocity doesn't mean you can hit a baseball. It just means you can, can hit the ball hard. Um, right. So what's your take on, on all that advanced sabermetrics and analytics of uh, the offensive player today? Yeah, I, lo I love it. I love it. It, uh, it just paints a broader picture for me. Like Woba, you know, I'm a huge fan of Woba. I think Woba is is crucial to how we look at players now. I really think it should replace batting average on the, across the board um, just because it rewards extra base hits. Um it adds values to things that we're batting average is just the same. Everything equals the same. A hit's a hit. Can you explain Woba? Sorry. Yeah. So Can it's you just explain Woba? At a level. I mean, and they're just, you know, so a, a triple's worth more than a single. A double's worth more than a single. A triple's worth more than a double. A home run's worth more than all of them. Um, so we're in batting average. If I, get a, if I go two for four, you know, I'm hitting 500, even though if that two for four was a single – in a home run or two singles, I'm still hitting 500. It doesn't matter. Or if I had two home runs, where if I went two for four with two home runs, my Woba is going to reflect that. Where if I went two for four with two singles. So kind of Lou, back to your question about, you know, the analytics, the, the ability to impact the baseball, that's why that's important. Um, guys that hit the ball harder have a chance to do more damage. You have a chance to burn an outfielder if you hit the ball hard. Um, this is in game, you know, exit velocity off the tee. Again, that can be, that can be skewed, but I'm watching a guy, you know, hitting a game and he hits an out front line drive at 112 miles per hour to left field. I'm taking that guy over a guy that's hitting at 86. I think that's a great so, point. And I, th I think yeah. that people need to realize that if you're going to use video, if you're going to use the advanced analytics, the measurables, do it in an actual game, not in a controlled setting off a tee, because that's how you're really going to get the, 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 that's the real picture of the player. The real picture of the player is not in the tee. 
in a cage in a controlled yeah. environment. I mean, if it's and nothing, that's picture. even with drills, Lou. Like, if I'm doing a drill in a cage and it doesn't transfer to the game, why are we doing that drill? Yeah, I if could I not agree the more. Skill, if I can't get the skill to transfer from practice to game, I may want to find another way. I think that's the, so, best, that's one of the best piece of pieces of advice we've gotten from any guests so far um, is, is treat everything, treat everything as if it's a game. And if, if you're going to measure or, or video or, or, or track anything, make sure we're doing it in live at that. So I, th I think that's, I think that's a home run right there, Brady. I really do. So Brady to, um, to, to kind of go back on another question I had, how do you determine success of, of like a high school kid or a lesser skilled player versus a higher skilled player. Like what's, what advice can you give to a kid who thinks he's swinging like Mike Trout, but in reality he's not swinging like Mike Trout. You know what I'm saying? Like what's something you can tell a kid to kind of bring him back to earth? You know, what's some advice you can give to kids who are struggling? Um, you know, I like, you know, I'm not a big, you know, when a kid's struggling, I'm not big on mechanics and stuff like that, but what's something that you got for, for kids of like the high school and uh, youth level? I mean, I, my advice to all young, you need to get strong. It is amazing how strong guys are now. Um, they're physically different, even from a short five, six years ago, George, when we were playing. I mean, I'm looking at kids now that are 17, 18 years old that are moving the bat like a grown man. Um, and it's impressive. So those high school kids, I tell them definitely, like, let's really get strong. And you'll watch how mechanics will change. You know, a lot of, a lot of things stem from – you know, something else. So like a bad mechanic, say a guy who really loses it back here, he's probably weaker and trying to make up for something, trying to give himself more time to create bat speed. Does that make sense? Um, so I would definitely tell him like, let's really back off the mechanics, focus on the intent, get strong and kind of see what happens there. Did your lights just go out, Lou? <laughs> he might have. He's at work right now. <laughs> but hey, so la hey, last thing to wrap it up with you, Brady. Um, so we talked about your dad. And one of the things that I love what your dad said is that um, you, uh, and I don't know if you can attest to this, but he said the proudest day of your life was when you beat him in basketball in the driveway. Okay. So <laughs> just to throw it out there for a kid, you know, who's had as much success as you had being the coach and you, you know, being the, um, being the coach that you are, no, I, me knowing you, how much you actually give a crap about other people and, and other and, and kids and all and all this stuff. What changed when you beat your dad playing basketball? How did you take that? I know it's like an off-color question, but um, you know what can you what advice can you give the kids to like say, hey, achieving this goal will lead you to the next goal type thing? Yeah, no, I mean that's something. Like, let me tell you, he did not let me win. Um, he, no, he didn't let you in. You no, beat him. No, 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 no. He's never, never, ever. Not, there's nothing I don't think he's ever let me win at. Um, and it's something I, I think winning is very important for, for children. I really do. I think also how you define success. So, like, you asked about kids. Um, and this is something I didn't know at the time when my dad was fouling me and throwing me to the court. But through those things, now looking back, I know what he was doing. Um, and there really is no easy way in this life, in this game. Um, he used to say hard work is lonely, and he hit it right on the head. I mean, I can go back to – there's one friend from my playing days, really, that's still around. You know, I've talked to a couple guys, but there's one guy that stuck around through everything because of the decisions I made to, to do that. Um, but that was a proud moment beating him. Um, but he wasn't that good anyways. I just – it was a good moment, though. That means you sucked. 
No, I was good. I could ball. I could ball a little bit. I could, I could do oh, I know you, man. But with those kids, man, I would really define success the way you need to define it, and that will really keep you on the right path. So, like, certain drills define success now. Don't always compare everything to – it's not an absolute, you know. So, it will keep you in the right direction that way. Uh, Brady, I think that's an awesome way to end it, brother. That was some really good insight. We, George and I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and lending your expert opinion and advice on, on, on some various hitting issues. And um, we'd love to have you back one day. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Beautiful, Brady. Brady. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, bro. Right, have a good one. So, George, I, I, thought, I thought Brady hit it on the head, man. I thought he did a great job, and I thought he gave, gave our audience a lot of really good things to think about. Yeah, one of my favorite things is that he talks about he doesn't just treat every hitter the same. He kind of takes their personality into account. He takes what their actual skill level is. And he, he kind of said that he changes um, what success is to each one of those kids based upon their abilities and inabilities. So I thought he did a really good job. You know, he, you know, he works with the Rays. It's a great organization. And I remember um, how he got that job. And he didn't expect to get that job. He randomly got that job. So he was going after another position at the time and you know he kind of got really lucky with that and you know he's done so well in that organization he's moved up the ladder really quick and I'm really proud of him and you know it's one of my one of my really good friends like I said his, him and his family him and his dad Nelson are like family to me so you know he's a wealth of knowledge and you know he he, he got a lot of he played for that guy Talmadge Neri we kind of talked about a little bit with Alex um, so a lot of his uh, hitting philosophies lots of information he got from T coach T uh, but yeah, he's he's nothing but a but a learner. That's what he that's what he does best. So yeah, that was good stuff, and we'll definitely have him back. I think, and um, I think we'll wrap it up here. That was another really good talk, good baseball conversation. And I think one of the things he brought up, and you and I talk about it all the time, and we'll finish with this: if you you got to keep learning in this game. I think he learned, I learned, and you learned just from the last half hour. And I hope everybody listening learned. So um, GC, we'll catch you soon. All right. Later, brother. All right, brother. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe and leave a rating for our podcast and check back for the next episode of Coaching Confidential.